We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Drafting in FFPC's $125 best ball tournament from the 104, a different starting spot. That's what we'll be talking about today on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find my newsletter at Yards Per Gretsch. With me, as always, find my newsletter at bengretsch.substack.com. My Twitter handle at Yards Per Gretsch. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his great work at Rotoviz. And Sean, we have a top five draft slot. We, it's an interesting one for. I don't really have a strong preference on on four. I think my immediate lean is, look, you can get Chase at six and seven sometimes. So maybe to not take Chase, not necessarily because I don't want him, but just to sort of balance out exposures a little bit. It'd be fun to get a Jefferson team going or a Cup team, or if they both go, certainly a McCaffrey or or Taylor team. But we're going to get a pick here in the early part of the draft, which is new for us. We are. This is going to be very, very exciting. You have done what you needed to do to get rid of the curse. So we're going to have to find out what Ben has been doing in his off hours. The curse is gone. We have a top five selection. Uh, Ben, you have also released your new betting service. We got 15 seconds before the draft starts. But give us us just a a quick little preview here of, of what subscribers are going to get. Sure, yeah. It's called Stealing Lines. It's uh, in partnership with Dalton Cates, who's uh, incredibly sharp, up-and-comer, who has been hitting on some awesome prop bets over the last year, did incredibly well. I've been talking to him since the offseason, did incredibly well in the combine, incredibly well th- uh, during the draft. Had some awesome long-shot bets late last year, like shot Penny 80-1 to to lead the week in rushing yards uh, in a week where Penny went on to to hit that. So he's a very sharp guy. He's going to help me with a lot of props. We're going to be doing some you know, season-long futures and stuff during the season, doing normal bets, all those sorts of things. Very excited about that project. You can find it at stealinglines.substack.com if you want to subscribe. But Sean, the first three picks went off quick. Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup. We do have our Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase decision. We do, and I'm very open to going with either of these guys Justin Jefferson could be the Cooper Cup in their offense this year, but with even more talent, if that is possible, which, again, I don't know if that's a fair thing to say after what Cup did last year. My only question for you would be, do we want to get as much chase exposure as we possibly can, and does it concern you at all 
in this particular tournament that their week 16 and week 17 games, Green Bay and New England, maybe not as easy to play back. And at the same time, you know that I do care about that element, but maybe I don't give it quite as high a priority as some other people. We're now down to 10 seconds. I don't have a lot of Jefferson, so everything you just said makes sense. But I, I, I'm definitely, if you're leaving it to me, I'm definitely wanting to get some Jefferson teams built. I have a lot of chase. I like the idea of just trying to get as much possible chase. But I also don't know if I've drafted Jefferson at all yet, frankly. And, you know, I'm not doing a ton of drafts. Some listeners will know I can't do underdog drafts where I live. So I haven't been doing an absolute ton. But I feel like I haven't wound up in, like, this fourth slot a lot. I've got quite a few chase teams. Just got chase on the first main event team of the year. So anyway, excited to take Chase or Jefferson. We did take Jefferson. Diggs goes five. Najee Harris goes six. This is part of why I'm winding it with plenty of chases. Some people just aren't that excited. Eckler goes seven. Chase is sitting there at 108. I know we both think this is a mistake. Then this would have been the draft to get the eighth pick. That's right. Just to fill listeners in a little bit more, if you're interested in this tournament, the, the this year they have doubled the grand prize so it's at two hundred thousand dollars you get fifty thousand for second obviously you get some cash for winning your or advancing out of your league you advance to week 15 you advance to week 16 you advance to week 17 uh, this was the tournament that column blair and i had so much fun in last year with connor and if you've been reading connor you know that he is doing just incredible work up on the site in terms of all kinds of best ball content right now. Make sure you to check that out. We Because the first three picks did go quickly, Ben, uh, you had to sort of <laughs> rush through your promo there, but I just wanted to say I'm very excited for Stealing Lines, and I think people should definitely check that out, at least consider it if you're interested in prop bets. It's something that you don't want to miss. The next kind of curveball that we got here is Mark Andrews at the 109. You were telling me before we started, because the thing that we're hoping for, and since you know we're we're doing the show as the draft is going, but we're not streaming the draft live, so we can mention that we're desperately hoping that Kyle Pitts would come back to us. In the last week, he has an ADP of 208, which would fall one slot short, obviously. But you were saying that you have Travis Kelsey in your top tier at tight end and then Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts very, very close together at number two. I was saying that I probably very ridiculously moved Kyle Pitts up to number six overall in this tight end premium format. I do have him above Kelsey. I've had those guys at six and seven. You were mentioning on our auction show when we were talking about projecting the chiefs and you said that you had some nervousness about Juju Smith Schuster because of how you went through your projecting i think a, a very legitimate number of targets for marquez valdez scantling you're projecting a very legitimate number of targets for sky Moore, and i think that he could even do more than that i was joking with you that, that you need to uh decrease your targets for michael hardman and maybe juice the rushing attempts a little bit maybe those will all be just of the one inch pass variety kind of that hybrid handoff target where obviously <laughs> in ppr we prefer it to actually just be a target my thought there would be that with Kelsey having the tiniest downtick last year, he did go through a stretch where he didn't play particularly well before he picked it up in the reality playoffs, especially that maybe those guys are actually going to 
put a little bit of pressure on him. I'm not in any way projecting some big collapse, or I wouldn't have him at number seven overall. But I do think that it pulls Kelsey and Pitts pretty close together. How surprised are you that Mark Andrews, though, is the first tight end off the board? Yeah. So to be clear, I'm going. I'm getting through my my rankings, my first run of rankings. Finally, I think I've been talking about this this for months. I had Kelsey in his own tier. I had Pitts over Andrews as the second tier. I am getting a little more excited about Andrews as well after going through the projection process. You know, no Marquise Brown there. Bateman actually didn't have an incredible for, uh, rookie year. I'm, you know, I'm excited about him potentially taking a step forward, but they don't have a lot of other options every day that goes by. They don't add, you know, one of these free agents like Julio, like I thought maybe they would. I'm thinking more and more than even if they throw less, Andrews is going to be the guy for the most part. So I do like Pitts over Andrews. I still have Kelsey in his own tier because I think Kelsey is also going to be just incredibly heavily leaned on. You talked about the downtick in the middle of last year. He did have a stinger kind of banged up. I remember writing about it in Stealing Signals and having a couple sharper people than me uh, reach out and let me know that that was the case. Shout out to, to Bill Barnwell over at ESPN, who was one of the people who I remember messaged me and said, hey, you know, it might be more about the stinger. And I... Did a little research in that, realized that I, I, I probably agreed. And then to see the way that he picked up down the stretch and in the playoffs had 299 yards across three games, averaged seven and a half, 7.7 catches per game, I think it was, uh, nine targets a game, you know, scored three touchdowns in the playoffs. We saw the normal Kelsey. So I, I'm looking at it like there wasn't really an age decline last year, even though some of the numbers might suggest there was. If you look at his regular season numbers, he doesn't look as great as he had in past years. I really think it was uh, the the injury for that stretch, considering how well he played late in a long season where he was hurt. You know, they, they play three playoff games. He plays 20 games, I, I believe, unless he missed a game or two in there, but still had that juice late. And I think with the, the depth of the passing game that we talked about, that we're somewhat optimistic about the passing game now, having multiple options. I mean, he's always been a guy that even as teams have to key on Tyreek, they're still keying on Kelsey. It might be, actually be harder now. I mean, there's, there's two ways to look at that, certainly. So, I really do still like Kelsey, but I can't let you be higher than me on Pitts. Uh, you told me you were that high. We, we've been talking a little bit about it. I went back and looked up our tight end show from early June, and I was pretty excited about him then before I knew how excited you were. So I'm going to have to go back and put Pitts as maybe the number five overall player ahead of Chase just to get ahead <laughs> of you, I think. Oh, uh, well, Ben, what has happened here is that there were a lot – of somewhat surprise selections we'll go through those in a second once we're back off the clock but we got to within one pick and my excitement knew new bound no no bounds even as you were finishing up there because we were guaranteed to get either saquon barkley or kyle pitts barkley did go kyle pitts is here you just talked about him i was mentioning we wanted him uh, how awesome is it to be able to get justin jefferson and pitts on the same team yeah, it's an incredible start. Uh, that first main event I mentioned where I started with Chase, started Chase Pitts. I think that was just an incredible start to that main. I'm really excited to now have a Jefferson Pitts version. I think getting one of these elite receivers and then backing it up with Pitts is year two wide receiver breakout that gets tight end eligibility and still gets 1.5 points per reception. I mean, that's what he is, right? A 20-year-old last year for the first five or six games, turning 21, still has a 1,000-yard season, incredibly young, looks like a year-two breakout that we'd want to target, and yet in the tight end premium format, 
gets to check our tight end box and gets the 1.5. We're still getting him in the late second. He feels like a late first or a mid first. In in your case, a uh, the last guy in the the first half of the first. So it's a it's an incredible start. And just to fill the listeners in on a few of those players who did go early, Brees Hall has Ooh. been just rocketing up boards. He was the 204 in this draft. We've been encouraging you to select him every time you possibly can before he gets this expensive. I don't think that he's going to sit at the 204 necessarily, but you know that was something that we did see on the horizon. T. Higgins goes at the 205, so the J- Chase Higgins stack has started, and that will probably make Joe Burrow a little bit less expensive for that drafter later on, maybe balance out the Higgins reach a little bit. But, you know, I never think that Higgins is a reach anywhere. I mean, you can draft him ahead of Jamar Chase if you want. I mean, that, that'd probably be the only way that you could possibly reach on T. Higgins. Javante Williams goes at the 206, so we have an Eckler-Williams start from that point. Yeah, then with, with three picks to go, we had Lamb, Barkley, and Pitts all available. We knew we would get one of those three guys. We've mentioned our skepticism about Lamb, but, I mean, if you're going to get him in the mid to back half, of the second round i think you've got to be pretty excited there uh, what are you thinking here as mike evans and tyree kill go off the board were uh, just on the clock with nick chubb going the other little bit surprised was that james connor went at the 210 and left leonard fournette uh not our guy necessarily here fournette waller etn we could get our one sort of early running back with etn we could continue with your guy aj brown that's where i Tend to lean here. I think it is a pretty big tier break at receiver after Brown. Keenan Allen and Michael Pittman still on the board to me. They are on the other side of that tier break. I don't see a lot different between Brown and, and CD Lamb, who goes in the early second. Personally, at the same time, ETN's been rising. I've not been getting as much of him lately at these prices. He was a really fun pick in the fifth or fourth. Those are the two that, that would stand out to me. Okay, so we know that we have to do AJ Brown for our first. 125 ffpc best ball tournament team together then there are a couple of guys that i have some interest in that we've talked about as potential dead zone backs who might come back around in either a cam Akers or a jk dobbins we can also just play pure zero rb here we know that this works very well in this format especially works very well if you get that early tight end and if your first round pick is actually a star wide receiver in justin jefferson i think that that is one of the keys one of the things that i saw in a 125 draft or apologize in one of the best ball drafts that i did in the last week was that michael Pittman and mike williams went at the two three turn and i this isn't a huge criticism of those players i mean those are solid players but in many ways that's shocking to me because you're talking about the guys who were like wide receiver 21 and wide receiver 25 last year on a point per game basis and i don't know that there's as much secondary breakout potential with those players as maybe people are thinking i mean they're entering their age 25 and age 28 seasons and Pittman obviously still young from an experience perspective but there's probably a different route that you can take and if you do get a secondary breakout which is possible maybe especially for Pittman from an experienced perspective hopefully from Williams we'll be able to see him show off what he did in the first half of last year with Justin Herbert but anything that they do at that point is completely priced in if you're taking him at the two three turn but we are getting towards the end of the third we see Ezekiel Elliott go some very interesting 
picks. This this draft out of the nine slot has now started Mark Andrews, Brees Hall, Ezekiel Elliott, really kind of getting their guys. We see Michael Pittman go to the Chase Higgins team. That's another zero RB team starting. No surprise right after Brown went off the board, Fournette and ETN went back to back. The draft out of the seven holes building sort of an anti-fragile, or we'll see, or, uh, excuse me, hyper-fragile with Austin Eckler, Javante Williams, Alvin Kamara to start. An interesting board so far. We also see Josh Allen now go off in the third round. It is, and I, I love to see this. I love to see drafts where individual managers don't feel completely tied to ADP. We have drafters going out there and getting players that they want. Obviously, one of the reasons you like it is that sometimes that'll create a value for you later on in the draft. But it's just it's good to see some creativity as drafters are going through you're going to get a little bit of a different build maybe have some early players especially early on where teams are going to be a little bit more similar you're going to have some differentiation there and just if you have your rankings in a certain spot you want to get your guy if you're you know in the nine ten hole and someone is going to be in, in a different part of the draft board i mean you don't want to be constantly reaching throughout the draft one of the things that we have mentioned on the show is this idea of the value of drafting quite a bit is that you don't have to feel as much pressure to get your guys. You can get sort of those double values. And that's where the strength of being able to pick the right players, but also get them at a discount to ADP can really be unlocked. But this has been a fun draft to start. Darren Waller actually does go a little bit later than he has been, which creates an interesting situation for the team out of 11 that has Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, then Darren Waller and Justin Herbert. One of the things that we do know is that if you wait on wide receivers in a double flex league where you have full PPR, it's very, very difficult to catch up. At the same time, it'll be fun to see what that team does later. Ben, I think in a lot of ways, this is playing out nicely for us because we do see a fairly running back heavy tilt to the draft yeah. in the early going. Yeah, Keenan Allen finally goes at 403. Ever since we took A.J. Brown... Michael Pittman was the only wide receiver selection. And a reminder to anyone listening to the pod, you can always go to YouTube, go to the Rotovis channel, subscribe if you don't mind. That won't give you any you know, unwanted notifications or anything unless you turn alerts on. But you can go to the YouTube uh, Rotovis channel, and whether you subscribe or not, you can view the, the video of this draft. You can follow along with the board. Uh, in video form. So that's always a fun way to uh, engage with these drafts as well. Marquise Brown goes 404. DJ Moore is still sitting there at 405. He's been going in the middle of the third round. You have moved him to the top of the queue. It sounds like I'm not going to have to talk you into it. Then if if DJ Moore makes it to the 409, <sighs> he did um, do you stop everything else and, and just hold a, a Friday afternoon party? Yes, that would have been it. Justin Jefferson, Kyle Pitts, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore. You can talk about not having running backs. I'm going to talk about how good those players are on the same roster. He goes to that drafter at eight that started Chase Higgins. Pittman, very much a zero RB build there with four straight receivers. Like what that drafter's doing with what the, the, the draft is giving them, we probably would have had a somewhat similar draft out of the eight spot. Probably would have went Chase Pitts, right? And then... Who knows what we're done in the third round? Maybe I would have talked to him into more in the third round, so we wouldn't have got him in the fourth round. But Pittman Moore, that's a very nice start. We are now three picks away. You have the queue loaded up with some of these sliding wide receiver values. You also talked about the running backs into the dead zone you're interested in. What are you thinking right now? 
Well, Mike Williams is, is not someone I like at the two, three turn, but you get him back here at 409. I think you have to look at that very, very differently. He's been going in this format in the last week. He's been going at 312, which still is a little bit where above where I prefer to get him. But if he makes it one more pick, I mean, Cortland Sutton goes off the board now. He does he go, go at the 408. So going through here, and one of the things that I do like is this idea of taking Jalen Waddle and having that kind of be the play with the Dolphins. It's probably not 50-50 that he outscores Tyreek Hill, but I think it's much, much closer than their ADPs indicate. You do have that potential for him to take a big step forward this year off of what was one of the best rookie seasons that we've seen, at least from a generating targets perspective. We know he has that speed that is almost in Hill territory. The other name here that I do have up is J.K. Dobbins. We could try and get him through in the fifth round. I think we hope to sneak him through to the fifth. I really like Waddle after ADP here. We have had a little mini receiver run here, six in a row go. So we didn't really get to realize the this room going away from running backs all through the third. Again, a, this is turning into a draft where if we would have had the final third slots, if we would have been at 12 or at 11, we could have really... <laughs> benefited from some of these runs but keenan allen marquis brown dj moore terry mclaurin Cortland sutton mike williams all go when those names go off i think waddle is i have waddle behind williams i think but i i do think he's ahead of the next group of receivers it's sort of like a little transition tier i definitely want waddle and i'm still comfortable taking waddle and in a particularly receiver heavy draft taking him at the three four turn so to get him at four on nine is very nice the drafters behind us Two of them had started with two running backs in their first three picks. They go Dalton Schultz and Deontay Johnson. I was kind of hoping that would be the case. We also see Allen Robinson now go at the turn to the Jonathan Taylor drafter who had backed it up with two receivers. He goes receiver, receiver. So this was the hope that Dobbins might circle around. I knew you'd be excited about Dobbins. I'm thinking we have a shot at him at this point. And the drafter out of the first slot who gets – Obviously, the great Jonathan Taylor now has Debo, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, Gabriel Davis, a fun team, and a very good construction, even if you're mildly skeptical about Allen Robinson. I don't think you can quibble too much there. And we got Dobbins through. David Montgomery was the only running back to go in those six picks. Dobbins at the top of the queue. They're just the the top guy on the board is, is the guy that we want to take. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. We have dobbins in terms of adp in the last week is actually a couple spots below this there's still a lot of debate about his health that those questions will start to be answered in the near future we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Then we could still go even a more hardcore zero RB with DK Metcalf or Rashad Bateman, but I do feel pretty good about Dobbins giving us the league winning upside that really you should have to pay several rounds higher to get. Yeah, I'm comfortable with Dobbins here. It is a sort of a dead zone type back. At the same time, he is sort of that profile of younger player that we we haven't really seen the ceiling from. You also have the injury. I mean, for people who aren't 100%, you know, remembering what's happened in Dobbins' career so far, he was a rookie in 2020, was in sort of a rotation, kind of took over the backfield to a decent degree down the stretch and was very good, and then missed all of 2021. All we've really seen is his rookie season. Obviously, the injury is important, but when we talk about you know, where he's at, does he make sense as a dead zone back? Yeah, he's in year three, but he didn't play it all in year two. Still think he fits his profile of young player that we don't necessarily know how good he is. Again, injury caveat is a big one, but assuming that he hasn't lost you know, a lot of his burst and everything, what he did late in year one was suggesting that he was an interesting upside play in year two. It's not necessarily a great offense for, you know, running back receptions. It is good for running back, uh, you know, rush efficiency because of Lamar Jackson and how teams have to still defend the edge and they, you know, are going to have to give up a little bit more in the inside running game, uh, you know, some of those read options, some of those types of handoffs. I mean, I think, you know, we're certainly making a bet on health, but I think it made a lot of sense in part because the entire fourth round after Cam Akers went away from the running back position in the first couple picks of the fifth round as well. David Montgomery went right before us, but, you know, it was a little bit less receiver heavy to start. So maybe that was just balancing it. But anytime you get into a draft where the the position you are considering going to has not really been hit much in the previous round at all maybe a good indication that it's a, a decent pocket to to take a stab from a price perspective. Interestingly, the next five picks were all non-running backs, so no one else seems to agree with this theory. It goes DK Metcalf, Jerry Judy, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Amon Ross St. Brown. I still really like where we're at. Yeah, and you mentioned that, but I think that the the flip side of what kind of you're talking about there is that Montgomery and Dobbins, you could argue, are the two really clear values in the midst of this massive wide receiver run. 
that is taking place. The fact that there haven't been more running backs selected after that, and perhaps that indicates that some other drafters agree with us that there's a huge drop off once Dobbins is gone. At the same time, we know that this is obviously an area where you want to hammer wide receiver. The last two picks now, Amon Ross St. Brown and Rashad Bateman, both guys that we like and think should obviously be drafted at least that high. It was interesting to see Patrick Mahomes go to a team that had started running back, running back, running back. If you're going to go hyper-fragile, I do think that there is a case to be made for sort of prioritizing the last of the QBs in the window yes. as opposed to burning a pick there that really probably you need at wide receiver, especially since, you know, Amon Ron and Rashad Bateman, I think you could argue that there's actually a pretty decent tier break after them. So you could be on the front side of that. It was also interesting to see the Chase Higgins drafter not risk yeah. Joe Burrow following back through him. Mean, he makes it to 610, and that's in a situation where you don't necessarily you, – you haven't kind of boxed out the other drafters by having taken already the two interesting guys to stack him with there. Again, because kind of the last two really fun wide receivers were at that spot, uh you know, maybe maybe you could play it differently but i was curious to see how how i mean obviously that drafter was going to be interested in burrow but at 508 it was a an aggressive move to make sure to get burrow we see the 12 the number 12 drafter take kyler as well on a Devonte adams derrick henry george kittle cam Akers start not quite the hyper fragile one you talked about but is going to be thin at receiver I don't mind that pick at 512 necessarily, but yeah, we have a couple drafters that are seeming to really devalue the wide receiver position here. Probably going to try to hit it with a volume late. Uh, it makes me much more excited about, you know, potentially getting the, the drafter after taking Murray takes Josh Jacobs at that turn. Yeah, not a pick I'm a fan of, but we, I'm hoping we'll have some interesting receivers to, to choose from as it gets back to us. We're also looking at a situation where Lamar Jackson is still there and five of the drafters on this side of the room have taken quarterbacks, including the one who took Bateman. The Mark Andrews drafter does not yet have a quarterback. Would not surprise me if they took Jackson here in a couple of picks. But to get Dobbins with Jackson would be, I think, pretty fun, actually. Yeah, and we would have so much of that covered. I don't think that those guys are players that you need to worry too much about cannibalizing each other either, especially from a full season perspective. We want to win the league first. We want to get there to week 17. One of the things in the news, just really in the last 24 hours, I mean, it's been in the news all off season, but RG3 suggesting that the Ravens will be much more run heavy again this season and just more notes about how the Ravens as a very run heavy team were also one of the highest scoring teams in football, which isn't necessarily the way that that goes we think about it from that perspective you know you mentioned jk dobbins and how good he was i just put out an article about how to find this year's james connor using a lot of the cool stats that are in our advanced stats explorer from sports info solutions tried to make sure it dived into a, a handful of different ones as opposed to looking at the same thing i'm going to have a that was a veteran oriented article I have a youth oriented article here in another week or two weeks and Basically, suffice it to say that almost no one looks as good as J.K. Dobbins did on the touches that he did get as a rookie. And I just I expect him to get more because when you're talking about a Jamal Charles type of player within that offense, I do think the sky's the limit. Even when you eliminate some of those receptions, Ben 
the Mark Andrews drafter selected Miles Sanders. We are now one pick away from being able to get Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that would be a pretty incredible value helped along by Burrow going in the fifth. And we are going to get him as Devonta Smith goes before us. Wide receiver thinning out pretty quickly. We do have three pretty strong top-end receivers. The pick's Jackson for me. I don't know. Is there any any case he can make elsewhere? Well, TJ Hawkinson has also fallen. And I think that the double elite tight end build is extremely dynamic in this format. So he would be a strong possibility. He's even more discounted than Jackson is, but I mean, both of those picks are, are so much fun and we do already have a tight end. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I think I would be in game for that if Jackson wasn't on the board, but to get Jackson at this point as the QB six, the QBs tend to go a little higher in best ball to get a you know real elite upside. I have Jackson as my QB two after Josh Allen. I don't know where you're at. Russell Wilson goes right behind the Jackson pick. So none of the drafters behind us had a QB. One does have a tight end, Dalton Schultz. Possibility that Hawkinson swings back. I did not think that Jackson would make it back, but Hawkinson actually does go to the drafter in the two slot. But where are you? I mean, I know you love the rushing quarterbacks. You, you've got to be sort of where I am. I'm not sure if we've talked about this, but I feel like Kyler and Lamar are the two and the three, and it is very weird to see Mahomes and Herbert go ahead of them so frequently. It really is. I, the Arizona Cardinals offense has been one as well that we've encouraged people to draft as much of as possible because I think they're, they're going to get more expensive. I don't know if all the weirdness at the beginning of the offseason has been a big factor in the price for Murray and then the price for his pieces. I, I don't feel like it should have been, although you never know. I mean, sometimes when some of this off the field and perhaps you have questions about the football character for a player. How committed are they to the team? How committed are they to their own personal improvement? I mean, those things do matter, but they're also pretty difficult for people who are actually on the inside to be able to tell. He obviously gets the big contract in the last several days. I think that they will all start to rise now. So he's a good pick. I, I mean, I think that you can put them right there with Josh Allen. Maybe yeah. Lamar Jackson has a little bit better chance to stay healthy, even though he didn't last year. I, I think that the my concern with them would be just that maybe their injury risk damages their chances to actually make it all the way through, which you are going to need compared to Herbert and Mahomes. But if they're healthy, they're going to have a score. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, we're back on the clock. I like Drake London. Uh, I. You have Tony Pollard also in the queue. I could get there. He's the third running back available. We still have Elijah Mitchell and Clyde Edwards a layer in the, uh, you know, covering him. We're, we probably won't see Pollard come back. Almost certainly won't. Are there any other receivers that you like here? I mean, one of the things is whether or not we do want him with Pitts. I don't have a problem with that. I think that both of those guys are going to be high target share players within that offense. I don't think there's anybody else going to be siphoning anything that matters. I think that the, Falcons can score more points. I think he's the easy value here. I don't have another receiver actually for quite a long while, so I, I would probably lean to let's London take let's take well. London because we're running down the clock here. I don't love taking him with Pitts, but this is I think a unique situation for a couple reasons. One, like you said, there are not a lot of other interesting receivers here. Devonta Smith has gone. Elijah Moore has gone. Uh, several other, you know, upside 
younger receivers in the five, six range have already gone. We're here at seven Oh four looking at London and then sort of just looking down all the way to like Traylon Burks, you know, after Russell Gage and Adam Thielen and Hunter Renfro and DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk and Alan Lazard. And none of those guys are guys that I really want to be taking. So it's a pretty big gap in that regard. And then secondly, it is best ball. I think in managed, especially when you're taking pits, you're really making a bet that he's such a massive tight end. I don't know that I like to pair London with him in that scenario. I don't really mind pairing two players from the same passing game, especially when it's a good passing game. This is one that we don't know how good it will be. But in the in the unique case of, of a tight end receiver one, on a bet like Pitts, the bet is, you know, we certainly want the Pitts side to win out because he's the tight end and we, we're going to have more depth at receiver. Having said that, in best ball, I'm not as concerned. You know, it's just one of those elements where obviously we're going to be playing both of their good games when they occur. I still think London has a good season regardless. So factoring in both those elements, both the the lack of reasonable alternatives and that this is best ball and not redraft, I'm very comfortable with it. Yeah, I think this is a situation too where if at any point Kyle Pitts is so good that defenses have to scheme to take him away. It's going to really free up Drake London. I think the presence of both players will help the other one out. It also gives us the potential for a really late quarterback play, not necessarily the direction that we're leaning toward or looking to go, but something that is maybe a, a very outside type of scenario. The other thing here with the Falcons is that even though the rushing ability of Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter does factor in when you're considering them as late round picks in any sort of fantasy format, they're not expected to run in the same way that yeah, Lamar, you know, a Murray or a Jackson or a Trey Lance is protected to run. Yeah, so we're not necessarily losing a huge chunk of targets from the offense. And I do think that Arthur Smith will be more aggressive this season. I guess I just think the Falcons are going to be a little bit ahead of where the consensus is maybe it's just too much enthusiasm about drake london but i think especially as we look toward the end of the season people are going to be looking back in the same way they were with Jalen waddle last year and trying to figure out why he was available in the seventh round yeah i really like that call i mean i feel that way about all of the rookie receivers and and we're going to be in that pocket i think as we come back around at 809 we're going to be looking at maybe Traylon burks or now Chris Olave going ahead of Sky Moore. I still don't understand Garrett Wilson's price. We're kind of out of range at tight end. Hawkinson went, Goddard also went on that turn where we passed on Hawkinson. They went to the same manager in the two slot. And now that we went London, Fryermuth and Dawson Knox have gone in the later part of the seventh round. Best available tight ends are Zach Ertz, Cole Komet, Irv Smith. Not picks that I necessarily want to be making. Comfortable with Komet, but not, not that I want to be making over some of these upside receivers. Best available running backs does include a guy that you wrote about recently. I got a uh, a text message about it that it, it, it created um, quite the chuckle from my brother, actually, was reading it, where you put a little footnote in to say all of the running backs who had done what Singletary had done from an elusive rating perspective Singletary's done it for three straight years in at least two of the last three years. Then when you clicked on the footnote, it said no. <laughs> very, very good 
use of the footnotes from you there. I got a kick out of that whole article. That was fantastic, Sean. Um, Singletary would be pretty interesting. Still sitting there. We see the Clyde Edwards, and Damian Harris go off the board. Singletary is the top running back. We're still five slots away. Trey Lance also there, who you've added to the queue. A Lamar Jackson, Trey Lance quarterback room. That would be fun. That would have floor, and that would have ceiling. Yeah, I'm starting to get pretty excited about the options for coming back. I mean, I think that they're going to all go right in this little spot before us. Singletary does go there. One of the things uh, about having Pitts in London is that, I mean, you're looking at that Cardinals game in Week 17, and then DeAndre Hopkins is going to be available for that game unless you know he comes back and hurts himself. He's not someone I've drafted a lot. I did take him on a hyper fragile team where I wanted to have week 17 upside. He also does it. go. So he does go. We do that lose those guys. That's not surprising. They do have earlier ADPs than our slot. And now Ben Rondo Moore becomes a priority pick. We got to get some Arizona. Uh, Trey McBride becomes a priority pick. I know you are very excited about taking him at any point. You kind of think on our last show, you said you have thrown away all pretense and are happy to take him any chance you get on every single team we're back up you have trey lance at the top of the queue yeah and i mean all the all the formats are a, a little bit different ben but i think it was my actual other oh, 125 best ball ffp cert ffpc tournament that i was doing in a slow draft with a lot of the the rotoviz folks and then obviously a lot of other folks as well where lance went early seven i mean looks like he's gonna be an early seven guy yeah you think that he is going to even pay off at early seven yeah i mean this is a no-brainer yeah i mean getting jackson and lance is pretty massive i think he belongs right alongside hertz who went three picks after our lamar jackson selection we get lance two rounds later and i just love the combination because they both are going to have such high rush rates or at least that's the way i'm envisioning it certainly lamar you you kind of know that lance it appears that way. The rushing, we talk about this all the time, but it creates a floor. It also creates the ceiling. When you have a two quarterback build and they both have like elite rushing rates, I don't see how we ever get less than 15 points. Assuming they're they're both playing all, all the games this year, I don't really see how we ever get less than 15 points at QB, fewer than 15 points. And I think we're going to have a lot of 30-point spike games. Obviously, Jackson will be leading that charge probably, but when Lance has some you know, multi-passing touchdown games. I mean, this is a quarterback room that I think is going to have some some real floor, some real ceiling. I was hoping some of these running backs might swing back around. We see Ken Walker, Kareem Hunt, Chase Evans, Rashad Penny go back to back to back to back at the 8-9 turn, both the one and two drafters hitting two running backs at the turn. Understandable. There were some good running back options in that group that were available at this point in the draft. Still, I'm glad that we took Lance Damian Pierce now goes off the board. Five straight running backs. What are you seeing? I feel like you're going to make an argument for Cordero Patterson so we can just be all Falcons. No, no I'm not. <laughs> so, Ben, right here, one of the things that I do like about having Jackson and Lance, too, is it does free you up from feeling the pressure to select QB wide receiver combinations. I think that that part of it and the flexibility and just the types of unique builds that you can make that part i like 
we we are sitting here where it's about Brandon Ayuk's ADP. There were some negative reports on him recently where uh, beat writers saying he does not look like a former first round pick. We also have guys like Traylon Burks, Sky Moore, Garrett Wilson, who we probably like more in a vacuum. Which receiver do you want? I, I'm comfortable with Ayuk. I haven't taken a lot of him. I like the way that you've built into that selection by saying we don't need to stack, but here's the sack target that we should take. <laughs> but um, yes, I agree with you that I would prefer Burks more Wilson in a vacuum. It's it's a fun opportunity to get a share of Ayuk because I don't think he's a a bad guy to be drafting at his ADP. I just don't get a lot of him simply because he's going in this range with these rookie receivers and I'm taking in every draft. Hopefully one of them comes back around. It does seem to be a room that is not, you know, crazy about the rookies necessarily. We still have Burks, Skymore, Alave, and Garrett Wilson all on the board here in the middle of the ninth. There's a possibility one of them gets back to 10-09. You'd assume probably that would be Garrett Wilson if it does happen. You would think that, and at the same time, it also feels like Sky Moore is maybe in the real like bottom of the trough for him in terms of where he's going to be. As soon as the Chiefs start practicing, I think that both Moore and MVS will probably rise just because from a weekly perspective, they're going to offer a lot of upside in what I expect to be a high-powered Chiefs passing attack. But then you know, just once players from teams that are dynamic start getting talked about it's hard for me to not see them move ahead of some of these other players and i know that alan lazard going two rounds earlier probably has less competition for those targets in green bay but i guess i just expect the chiefs to be a lot more explosive i like alan lazard i <laughs> we went through the story before about me giving him to you yeah. as a uh, as a rookie pick and then obviously that didn't work out since he wasn't drafted but there are a few players in there, you know, like a, a Lazard, a Kirk, where I, I guess I think it doesn't probably make sense still where they're going. I'm surprised that we're getting, I mean, we don't have a, a very early pick from the Saints, but I don't expect the Saints to be that explosive. And I think that they will cannibalize each other. I don't think that Olave should necessarily be going ahead of these other rookie wide receivers either. I think that if you like Olave, you should really look at Jahan Dotson now. I don't know that there's going to be a huge difference in the quarterback play between Jameis Winston and Carson Wentz, even though obviously we're not on Carson Wentz and Dotson already generating some raves, some similarities in the profile between those two players. Not saying that Dotson is as good, but you do want to take discounts where you can get them. And it's a pretty big discount, right? Yeah, Dotson is going incredibly late. I've had some conversations about him lately. Yeah, round late. Middle to late round 12. Garrett Wilson, the 10 12 in the last week. So, Ben, hopefully he will come back to us. It, one of the things here is I think that Traylon Burks has fallen below where he should be. And yet, at the same time, as you keep mentioning, given the rough offseason that he's had and given where Garrett Wilson was drafted, I mean, there's a lot of skepticism about Zach Wilson. I'm very skeptical about Zach Wilson, not because I, I don't want him to succeed or don't think that he has arm talent, but you look at a lot of the metrics and they they don't well they at least encourage you to remember that there's downside but even with that being the case garrett wilson's price makes no sense elijah moore at the 701 yeah i mean elijah moore was extremely dynamic last season you do have to consider that i mean not every player who's drafted early i mean you think about garrett wilson where he's drafted and it seems like a lock and then you remember i mean mike williams now we're talking about age 28 finally getting excited about him for 
fantasy in some ways for the first time, or at least the first time after he did not do much when he first came into the NFL. Not not all of the top 15 guys succeed, but but there are some interesting prices. Definitely no argument from me there. Olave does go, and Burks has gone. Sky and Garrett Wilson both still on the board. Those are the only two receivers that have gone since our pick. We got a similar run out here in the ninth to the third. On the way back in the fourth, it was all receivers. I'll be interested to see. And a lot of these teams need to start taking receivers. We're looking at teams that have two and three receivers now into the 10th round. But we'll keep an eye on that as we have about six or seven more picks until we are on the board. Patterson still sitting there at the top of the queue. If he comes all the way back, maybe you'll get your all Falcons wish. Ramondre Stevenson sitting there second in the queue. I would be very comfortable with him as RRB2. He does go here. Two picks in a row to drafters that had three receivers that were non-receivers. Works. Works for us. We also have MVS in this group coming back. You talked about him. I'm excited about him as well. I think he would be a nice receiver six. I'm more concerned about our wide receiver six right now than our running back two. Would you say you feel similarly? Well, I, I'd i like to add good players for both. One of the things that does happen <laughs> when you when you take the early tight end. I was thinking we would just add good receivers and not good running backs. <laughs> the, the, the two relatively early QBs means that we – could end up a little bit short on both of these players but one of the things that jumps out to me and we are heartbroken because garrett wilson goes well, right out of us still there sean and he's gonna make it to us claypool goes off after wilson it is a bummer that wilson went but we get sky at 10 oh yeah so then the other question here and i think that i know your answer since both teams in between or th- all three teams in between already have four running backs which doesn't stop them from drafting a fifth running back but Ronald Jones is the 10-10 by ADP. We like Sky better than Rojo. I, I think so. In this spot, largely because Patterson is still standing there. If we had to take him, I mean, I, I don't really want to take another Falcon on this roster, but we could. Uh, Rashad White is right there behind Rojo, and I would be really happy to add Rashad White as well. But I do agree that rojo would be the preference he might also slip there was a report circulating on twitter that he might be on the roster bubble there was somebody who had suggested that in their 53-man write-up i didn't agree with that (laughs) uh i he has an interesting contract it's a one-year 1.5 million dollar contract 3.5 million is in incentives one of the things with players uh who didn't do a lot like Ronald Jones didn't last year. They can be classified as not likely to be earned incentives. And then if they are earned, they will kind of against the 2023 cap. The Chiefs did this with Juju. We don't have Ronald Jones's specific incentives, but they gave Juju, I think, like $3.5 million on a contract that was reported to be up to $10 million. But the, uh, the rest of it is all incentives, like $7 million of incentives. And a big chunk of it is really easily gettable because he didn't really play a lot last year. The only way the not likely to be earned tag is classified is based on last year's performance. So for Juju, it's stuff like playing 40% of the snaps. He gets a he gets a hit. Catching, you know, 30 or 40 balls or something, he gets a hit. And then, you know, there's it scales up, but a lot of them are very, very reachable. I kind of feel like that probably was the case with Ronald Jones contract. We don't have the actual confirmed reports. 
Um, but it would make sense because the Chiefs need that money to then be on the 2023 cap. They're very cap strapped. If that is the case, it's very possible there's sort of a wink nod and, hey, you know, we're putting your contract this way, but we're not going to just throw you to the wolves. At least that's the way that I'm reading it. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, the Chiefs need Ronald Jones to be a starter to be a good offense. So I'm just going to uh, <laughs> assume that that part of uh, wisdom prevails. One thing that did happen to us here, Ben, is that in the last round, Gerald Everett and Noah Fant both went off the board. We do need this to be a three tight end build. You pull up the roster construction explorer, and you see the win rates go through the roof when you get to three tight ends. And obviously, we don't want to do it where we're like just picking guys so that we can say that we picked them. But now that Noah Fant went one pick ahead of us, unless we want Albert O, who I think probably has more legitimate concerns than Ronald Jones, since he's actually competing with a good player for routes. I mean, they're both going to play. They're both going to score. Albert O is an extremely athletic incumbent. We could go that route here. The only also, other pick I, I don't want to go. Rondell Moore is not going to come back to us. Moore. Either, so. Yeah. I, I'd be comfortable with Rondell Moore as the bring back for the Atlanta stack. Okay. Jones cool. or Moore is fine by me. We'll do Rondell just to see if we can okay. get some extreme slide from Ronald Jones and see if any of these drafters, will pivot to taking wide receivers. Unfortunately, the team right after us only had two. He does take Rashad White, so he's allowing Rojo to slide. Rojo would have to get past him again in the next round, which, again, I think is something of a pipe dream. Michael Carter goes. Michael Carter someone I've been encouraging listeners to take when you don't have Brees Hall. And it seems probably weird to say you kind of want to prioritize having one of the two Jets running backs since that's not a team we expect to score a lot of points necessarily. But Michael Carter, I think, because Brees Hall projects as such a star, it's easy to forget that Michael Carter had a fantastic rookie season. In many ways, not that dissimilar to what Javante Williams did sort of on a per-touch basis. I like those smaller guys who run daylight, but Michael Carter broke a lot of tackles. He was very, very good at North Carolina as well. So someone who is a good pick there in the middle of the 11th round but how do you see these next couple of rounds playing out? What are we kind of hoping for beyond our Rojo dreams? I really like the Rondell Moore pick because we do have both London and Pitts. You talked about the week 17 correlation there, uh, Atlanta and Arizona playing each other. We'd like that game to be a little bit more fast paced and some passing and some scoring. And hopefully by that point, Rondell Moore has turned into Steve Smith, which you know is inevitable, but will you know hopefully have happened by that point. Probably not likely that we get Rondell Moore back, but we are sort of, we're sort of past the, the point. The, the reason I like the Rondell Moore pick so much is we're you know we're now with with Tyler Boyd going off the board into a range of wide receiver that we're we're sort of past the point where you want to be taking receivers as we talked about on a recent show. So we got to seven before that point. We just finished up with Ayuk, Sky Moore, and Rondell Moore. Obviously had the three early in Jefferson, AJ Brown, and Waddle. We hit Drake London in the middle there. Some really interesting upside plays behind those three, you know, big potential target earners at the top. Really like the, the texture of those seven receivers. Don't feel like we need to rush to get our eighth, especially after that drop off. Where I'm going with this is if it doesn't make it back, I do really like the pocket of running backs I expect to be there. Right after him in ADP, we have Naheem Hines, not thrilled about him necessarily. We have Alexander Madison, not necessarily a huge target, but somebody I'd be comfortable taking. Then Isaiah Spiller. Daryl Henderson, Kenneth Gainwell, Tyler Algier, Khalil Herbert, Tyrion Davis-Price, that whole range. I find myself taking a lot of running backs in that group. I really like Spiller. 
Really like Daryl Henderson. The cheaper ones, Algiers getting a little bit of buzz right now. Tyrion Davis-Price has gotten a little bit of buzz. I think we're going to be in a pretty good spot to go running back, running back on the way back. And that'll do it for the first half of our FFPC $125 best ball tournament where you can win $200,000 by jumping in over there. We've had a lot of fun with you guys on this draft. It's been wide receiver heavy. We've got the elite quarterbacks. If you've been listening to the show, listening to Ceiling Bananas, reading Rotoviz, Connor O'Driscoll, Michael Dubner, following their great work. Connor with Column on the Best Ball Show. Michael Dubner with our great friend and best ball star, Peter Overzet on their show. Then you know that if you started out with the wide receivers, you have the elite tight end, you have the two QBs in the window. It's all gravy from there, right, Ben? So we'll try and not mess up this fairly strong start that we believe we have when we'll come back for part two, but that will do it for today. I'm Sean Siegel. With me is Ben Gretsch. Make sure you follow him at Yards Per Gretsch. Sign up for Stealing Signals and definitely check out the new product, Stealing Lines, his betting and props service with Dalton Cates. You're going to love that. If you want to join us at Rotovis, you can use the coupon code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. That will give you a 10% discount on a one-year subscription to the site. Subscribe to the feed. You'll get these shows like this when they release. Leave us a rating and review. I hope you guys have enjoyed. We've had a blast. Talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.